For a nation that prides itself on pillars built around security, discretion, and solid foundations, Switzerland's had a challenging few decades. With the financial crises of the late 2000s behind it, it's forced to rethink in many corner offices in Zurich, Basel, and Geneva, and the results have been largely positive. Cities have become less reliant on two or three sectors, there's been an inflow of entrepreneurial international talent, and the country continues to invest in all the facets that ensure it delivers a superior quality of life. This shift has not been lost on banking powerhouse UBS. With a sharper focus on what its core areas of operation should be and how it should communicate, UBS has recently embarked on a massive brand overhaul that stretches from retail banks in its home market to advertising to its approach to sponsorship. I sat down in Lugano with UBS CEO Sergio Armotti to discuss the next phase of the bank's evolution. Mr. Armotti, I thought we would start um, with a bit of a tone setter. Here we are, we're sitting in Lugano. We are on the frontier of, of Italy. Um, and, and we're sort of in an area of flux. How important is national brand to UBS? Well, I would say it's very important. Although we are a global active bank, we employ around 60,000 people. Uh, a third is in Switzerland, but a third is in the US. We have around 9,000 people in Europe. Uh, so we are a global uh, bank and uh, also an organization that, uh, but at the end of the day, needs also to have a home. Uh, it's very difficult to be a global player without having a stable home, and, uh, and I think Switzerland is the good one for us. We look at Switzerland. Um, I was looking at an interesting sort of ranking recently on innovation, particularly in the digital space, and it was incredible looking at digital entrepreneurs around Europe. None of them were in Switzerland. And is Switzerland slightly um, out of step in some areas of, of innovation? Well, look, uh, if, you, if you go back and look at uh, the World Economic Forum statistics, uh, Switzerland has been at the top of the list in terms of innovation, place to, to be uh, for the last, uh, you know, probably 20 years. Uh, you're correct that uh, the fintech and the, you know, digitalization world may uh, put some pressure points on us. But if I look at uh, uh, the recent uh, developments in Switzerland, uh, there are... Uh, now a group of you know of uh, entrepreneurs and, and and also big organizations trying to put together a plan for uh, its so-called Zurich Digital 2025, trying to catch up a little bit with those trends. I, I'm confident that we will be able to stay aligned with that, the the most uh, important developments uh, in Europe. I mean, if you exclude Silicon Valley in the U.S., uh, I think uh, you will see that is a very fragmented uh, world out there. It's an interesting audience because so many banks are trying to chase this digital entrepreneur um, with the hope that maybe he's a billionaire today or he or she might be a billionaire in, in, in 18 months. Does this present a new challenge than it even did 20 years ago? Yes, I think by default. But you know, if I look back at uh, banks' ability and financial service uh, uh, companies' uh, ability to catch up and stay aligned with the changes in digitalization and technology, I mean, it's quite impressive. I mean, you, you look at what happened and the way we changed our business uh, uh, makes me confident that uh, we will be able to, to do that. Actually, if you look at our front end, how we communicate with clients, uh, there are already many interactions that goes through totally electronically or we provide services to our clients uh, in a very digital way. Uh, the challenges for the banking industry are more the back end of, of the equation. But you know, our ability to stay very close to entrepreneurs who grows in their needs and in their wealth, 
over time is demonstrated. So I don't have any uh, major concern about that. What is the tension there, though, between the personal touch versus digitalization? Is that a tension today? Because, of course, yes, everyone has to look at headcount and all of these things. But uh, where, where do you sort of draw the line? Or is there a house view at UBS that also personal touch and investment in one-on-one -on -one is still, of course, a key part of, of what you do? Well, I think that different clients have different needs. Just to give you an example, every night we have around 650,000 a portfolio of clients that goes through a 50,000 scenario analysis in order to assess the risk uh, uh, profile of a portfolio. So when you call your client advisor, she's able to give you insights that are only possible through technology and digitalization. So uh, there are clients who want to read it themselves and come to their own conclusion. So that's, that's the real beauty. I do believe that uh, particularly when you go into a uh, more complex uh, uh, client requirements, you will need a combination of uh, digital and personal. Uh, is no, hopefully, and, and I believe is no a substitute for that. I was in front of Prada Platz on Friday, and I saw the most extraordinary site. Chinese potential customers, maybe prospects, standing in front of the UBS logo, taking self-portraits, group shots, uh, etc. It was a remarkable sight um, to see. And it suggested to me that you see a lot of other banks moving into a retail space in Southeast Asia on, on a private level. I know you're, it, it's Switzerland is obviously where the action is for your business. Would, would the bank ever look at, and do you see an opportunity to do retail elsewhere in the world? Uh, retail, as we understand it in Switzerland, is going to be very difficult because it's a very uh, competitive business. Uh, it's a business where you need a lot of scale. Uh, is a business where incumbents have already uh, major uh, control of markets. But I think that what we can do is to be very complementary to those players. We can help them in, in, in different ways. We can help those clients as they migrate from being mass retail to affluent to high net worth and ultra net worth. We tend to capture this kind of, of, uh, of evolution like... Uh, you know, uh, you may have uh, clients going to um, a supermarket in shopping, but you know, some from time to time they want also to spend some money in a luxury uh, place. So, so our our position is to be complementary. Uh, we we think that we, in in Asia uh, the biggest opportunity will be China. Uh, we are uh, we have we just got the license to open a branch in, in, in Shanghai, and our plan is to expand our services there, but with high net worth and affluent people. What is the tension for brand today in terms of how much you have to push the logo out there, be confident about it, uh, but also recognizing privacy and, yeah, I guess the issue that you have in a home market as well, where maybe UBS and many other banks are not as loved uh, within uh, the 26 cantons as maybe they once were. Well, I think if you go back into the importance of brand and the logo, uh, particularly in a market like Asia, uh, as you know, we went through quite difficult times in the last few years. And I think when you look at uh, uh, the loyalty of our client base globally, but particularly the one in Asia, were, was extraordinary. I'm not surprised, to be honest, to, to hear your story. It's very rewarding, but it's somehow reflecting what's going on uh, there. They look at UBS as not only uh, as a bank, but also as a bank which has a quality of service that is to be equal to luxury brands. And that's what our aspiration is all about. 
give the best service uh, and getting recognized as, uh, you know, something's different than uh, the rest of the banking industry. Maybe if we rewind four, four years ago, uh, 2011, what did you inherit? Uh, I think everyone sort of knows the story of where the, the bank had been. Uh, but when you got to your desk, uh, what, what did you see? And not just as sort of the challenge, but what did, what did ground zero look like? Um, and then, yeah, the new map that you needed to create. Well, first of all, I, I, you know, I had the privilege to, to step in into this uh, role. Uh, and I wouldn't describe the situation as ground zero because my, my predecessor and, uh, and, and, and the board uh, uh, that took over in uh, 2009 until 2011 uh, stabilized the bank and put the bank into a, uh, a good path. Uh, of course, we had a few uh, small earthquakes that uh, uh, one, one of that was, uh, I, was, wasn't small, but was the reason why then I, I, I was asked to step in. But I found a bank that was already uh, stable. So what my focus was all about is to try to move into the next chapter uh, very quickly. And uh, so, you know, reinforcing, uh, you know, uh, a few messages about who we are, how we want to allocate our capital, uh, highlighting what we were discussing before, that we are recognizing the world as being the leading wealth management franchise, so we should put that message out loud and clear. And, uh, and by doing that, we would create value not only for clients, but also for our shareholders. And with respect to, to brand then, um, you could say that the bank went a bit quiet on communications. Um, it was always present, uh, but the volume was turned down, obviously deliberate. Um, and was that because it was a case of getting the house in order and, and building a new path, uh, or also that you just, you felt there was just a need to, purely from a strategic point of view, to just tone it down a little bit uh, and, and ride things out for a while? I'm a believer that, uh, first of all, you do your homework and then, and then you go out and, and talk about uh, yourself. Uh, I think that there was a point in time in which, uh, you know, banks in general were not uh, the most uh, popular uh, uh, companies uh, in, in, in the planet and therefore uh, you needed to also adapt your communication and your campaign to that but also the fact that we were going through a transformation at this point in time needed to be validated first by progress and concrete steps so that's the reason why at the end of uh, uh, towards the end of 2013 we started to think about okay what's next in respect of uh, of our, our communication. Uh, we already knew that we were on a good trajectory in respect of the transformation, but we knew that we still had to work in 14 to develop you know, what you're gonna see coming now in 2015. So it took a few months, uh, but for sure we wanted to deliver first. This has been about a two-year project to, of course, go through, take stock, uh, and yes, you know, come out um, in a new way, um, some things have been shared with me in terms of what we're going to, to be seeing. Uh, and it's, it's incredibly confident. Uh, it's, it's incredibly uh, bold. And it's interesting because there has to be a domestic story, which I think this is what's fascinating. You have a domestic story to bring out, but it's going to be in lockstep with what people are going to see internationally um, as well. Right. Well, of course, because the world is different. So I think we have one brand, we have one set of offerings uh, uh, for our clients, but uh, the way we communicate and we deliver those services in, may change from time to time. So you, you, you mentioned bold. Uh, 
you mentioned aggressive, but I think uh, you should also remember that we want to give a human touch. And that's a very important element. So uh, the, the confidence should not be confused with arrogance. Uh, and, and, and we want to keep that uh, message very, very clear. So uh, I think it was very important for us to test this uh, exercise, first of all, with our people. Uh, so the exercise took many months, as I mentioned before. And the most interesting part was to get our people first to buy into the project. Because at the end of the day, uh, our people are the ambassador are the one who are going to stand in front of clients and, and, and reinforcing those messages. When I look at uh, the creative executions, when I talk about Bold, and certainly there is, there is humanity in there, uh, and there is an extraordinary Swiss simplicity to it uh, as well. When you think about uh, the bank to Mr. Monty, uh, do you have to sort of play with this different uh, hemisphere sometime as well, and just in terms of what, because yes, okay, there's a unified message that you need, but also, yeah, you, you're, you are having to play to different audiences, though. Well, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, but this dimension is, is, is accurate for, for almost every stakeholders we face, not only with clients, with employees, uh, with regulators, uh, shareholders. Uh, you, you go across the board. This complexity uh, is, is something that, in some cases, you can call the glo globalization is helping to smooth a little bit this uh, major differences. But, you know, one has to be very careful in how you handle uh, communication and, uh, and uh, with, with, uh, with the Japanese clients vis-a-vis -vis how you do it uh, uh, with, with uh, an American client or a Swiss client. Now, things have changed a little bit because in, for certain aspects, as I mentioned before, there is an element of globalization. But from myself and my colleagues, of course, we need to take this in, into major consideration. As you roll out this new campaign, do you think there are also constants that you need to remind people of what this bank offers versus yeah, what uh, another branch or another brand on the next, the next time they turn the newspaper or the magazine that they see there, that they're not off to see them? Um, you know, what, what needs to sort of ring true when, when people see this relaunch brand? Well, I think that... Uh, that at the end of the day, trust uh, and relationship is something that you build over time. Uh, you need to talk about, uh, you know, you mentioned about promises. What we can't promise is, is short-term performance. What we want to have is, for, for example, long-term sustainable performance in the way we, you know, we give service to our clients. Uh, but it took 150 years for UBS to get where we are. So, and it took us 50 years to uh, get us where we are in Asia. So people have to remember that while things are moving very fast nowadays, it takes time to build up relationship and trust and, and, and everything that is necessary to succeed. Do you feel that you have to be nimble or is, is there still a sense that we're Switzerland, we're, we're a big bank and, and yes, of course you've got scale. We don't have to sort of worry about um, something new around the horizon so much. No, we, we need to be nimble, but uh, also confident enough that uh, people, uh, clients can trust uh, that what we, what we do for them uh, is, uh, is, uh, is uh, something that has sustainability and is, you know, we are reliable people when, when you do business with us. So that's the very important issue. So we shouldn't go into the fashion uh, too much into, uh, you know, uh, the fashion part of the equation, but we want to be recognized as a, you know, uh, a premier uh, bank in terms of serving uh, our clients' needs. So, 
and this, as you mentioned before, you know, uh, 150 years, uh, you know, uh, it's something that uh, is there, and it means that the culture and the DNA of the firm is the right one to address those kind of uh, issues and concerns. We've sort of emerged in this world that uh, you know, privacy for a while became a bad word, uh, and now everyone wants privacy again. Is, is there a license uh, for not just your bank, I mean the industry in general, um, to, to start actively talking about conf confidentiality, privacy again, uh, in, in a way that of course it disappeared um, on so many levels. But yet, this is, this is something which affects people now in, in a very real way all the time. Um, and it's become much more of a social topic than it has before. Absolutely. I think that, you know, uh, clearly in the past, we had this association about uh, privacy with not necessarily uh, in the right order. You know, a, a lot of the time, people were associating privacy with tax matters. And, and I think nowadays, uh, there is a, a need for confidentiality that uh, is it's just to want to, you know, in, in many cases, people are concerned about their uh, their own security, their own, you know, uh, well-being. Now, digitalization is posing a, a big threat to all that because nowadays uh, all informations are more or less public. So, and by using mobile devices, by communicating uh, as, a, as a private citizen, you are de facto already entering into a... Uh, a space that may not allow you to be 100% sure that you are secure and uh, in, a, in terms of confidentiality. So it's a big challenge for our society and we try to do our best to keep this, uh, this need of clients to have confidentiality as one of uh, the biggest uh, uh, tool that we should offer. Um, but confidentiality nowadays is something different than in the past. I'm looking at the mountains behind you. Uh, is security still a story that you can, I guess, link to Switzerland, though? Uh, and this is in a positive way. This is still a land of, of, of vaults. Um, it's a land of rules. It's a land of very strong social capital. Is that something within the DNA of the brand, though, that you think also then has a, a positive rub off, that people will somehow also make a, a connection with security in Switzerland, and therefore, might look a little bit more positive than it would with a US bank or a Canadian bank or an Australian bank. Yeah, I don't know about it. For sure, the brand Switzerland, and you know, it's not only about security, it's quality of what we do, how we do things. So uh, confidentiality will be one element, uh, but it's not the only element nowadays, for sure. Only, you know, if you only offer confidentiality, you won't succeed nowadays. You need to have a high degree of uh, sophistication in, in how you speak and talk about, uh, you know, financial uh, matters and, and, and any other uh, uh, banking matters. So it's a combination of quality and how you deliver your services that will uh, create a winning formula. Finally, if we fast forward out one year from now, you will have been living with this relaunched, reinvigorated brand from a communications point of view for, for almost a full year at, at that point. What will you hope will be sort of the measurable differences? What, what will it have achieved by then? It's not by, by coincidence that we, 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 we started the process to build up our brand uh, value by involving our, our colleagues in the organization. What I want to achieve is a high degree of uh, confidence uh, and, uh, and proudness of, of our employees to be part of this organization and, and, and transmit this to the rest 
of our stakeholders out there, being clients or being any other uh, stakeholders we have in society. And over time, uh, I think this will create value. So my first objective is to get the 60,000 people to understand the message and embrace the message and then go and, 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 you know, and, and, and influence our clients or future clients. Mr. Mota, thank you very much. Thank you.